Welcome to J-Root Radio. Halakha <coughs> hour on Wednesday afternoons here at J-Root Radio. You can listen to us on the radio dial on the FM on 97.5 FM. You can listen on the internet at jrootradio.com. Also on the new app, the J-Root Radio Pro app. Also, if you want to listen on the phone, you can listen in at live 718-506-9099. You can also check out some old uh, classes either classes of ours or other places. You can see all that on the website, jrootradio.com. Let's give the numbers to the studio here in, in the Halakha hour. We speak about Halakha, like the name is, right? We talk, we're talking about the Halakhot of Shabbat right now. Is that the same today? We'll finish the Halakhot of Shabbat, of preparation of Shabbat, or Lil Shabbat, really. And then, beginning next week, we will go into the Halakhot of the holidays. For the next two weeks, next week will already be Adar Bet, and therefore, we'll begin to speak about the halachot of Purim. We'll probably spend two weeks in speaking about all the necessary halachot of Purim, like Mahatzita Shekel, like the halachot of reading Megillah, Parashat Zachor, Ta'anit Esther, and all the mitzvot that we do on Purim. <coughs> after Halachot Purim, as at Hashem, right after Purim, the week of Purim, will begin, hopefully, a four-class series on the halachot of Pesach. Some very, very important halachot of Pesach, as we all know. It's Pesach is coming up, and uh, there's a lot of stuff to speak about Pesach. We'll cover whatever we can. Let's give you the numbers to the station in case you want to get in touch with us. Like we say every week, the best way to get in touch with us is by texting. If you want to call, call in, you might have to wait till the, towards the end of the class or when you hear a break. But otherwise, if you text in, at least we could see a little bit. Um, the question that comes up on the text. The number to the text is 347-927-8398. Again, that's 347-927-8398. And the number to the studio f- to call in is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Before we begin the class, I just want to say that this class is sponsored. Lalui Nishmat Abraham Ben Zakiyah. Anybody else would like to sponsor this class, I mean today, e- either uh, anytime the Halakha Hour or any other class on JRoot, just text in to JRoot. Again, the number is 347-927-8398. And keep in mind, you have between twenty to 30,000 people that are listening and the zikhut of a Torah class reaching so many could be yours by sponsoring a class. And just have to get in touch with the radio station, and they'll tell you exactly how to do how to do so. Let's begin <coughs> the halachot. We are in the middle of the halachot of Lel Shabbat, Kabbalat Shabbat, accepting Shabbat, also Onik Shabbat, and we are learning. We're working off the book, the Benish Hai, in Parashat Vayera in the second year, Halacha Yud Alf, after Halacha Yud Alf. Oh, I just remembered also that there's a change of schedule. I'm sure maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't notice. The classes for now on the J-Root Radio has a different schedule in the evenings. Basically, every class that goes on in the station during the day is repeated again in the nighttime. So you have the Boker. For those who are night people, they have they can still listen in. Those in the daytime, you're listening in anyway. But this class will be repeated again tonight. If you miss out this class or you didn't hear the whole thing, you can hear it again tonight again on J-Root Radio at 11 p.m. from 11 to 12 this class will be repeated on wednesday so again wednesday live at 2 to 3 p.m and at night 11 p.m to 12 a.m the class will be repeated halakha yud alif the benish high talks about the order a person has to do when he gets home 
We're not going to read it inside in order that we shouldn't stretch it out too much, but we'll tell you just in short, Bekitsur, the order of the Seudah. First of all, when a person, we said this in the Parashat Bereshit, Benishai mentions it and the Sfarim bring it down, that person has to go home as soon as possible after he's done with Shul, meaning if he learns in Shul or if he, he just prays in Shul on Friday night, he has to come home immediately in order to make Kiddush. Besides the reasons are brought down by the Sfarim. Just think about it. A person has to be a little bit more sensitive also to per- people in his house. They're waiting, your wife, your kids, if your kids are up, or you, your wife is waiting for you in the house, family members are waiting for you, you should get home as soon as possible, especially if you're a guest. And then you have everybody waiting for you. It's not proper to have everybody waiting for you unless you notify them beforehand. So the person should go home right away and to make Kiddush. Right when you get home Friday night, you should make Kiddush right away. Do not come in and hang around and linger around. The house should be ready. That means the wife and the kids have to know that as soon as Abba comes home, as soon as the father comes home, we must be ready to make Kiddush. It's not always practical, but the Halakha says what it says, and therefore we have to try to put the effort to make sure that everything is ready in order that we should make Kiddush right away, which means if the table needs to be set up, it should be set up. Again, not always practical because you have little kids sometimes, you know, my house we have a minhag. My two oldest kids prepare the plates and the forks and then my two younger kids are the ones who you know mess everything apart so not always practical that a person is able to do everything and get it exactly ready but as, as fast as you can when a person gets home he should try to be able to make kiddush right away after kiddush is done make a dish of shabbat we mentioned already there's a custom to give berachot but as far as an obligation, what happens next is a person should go and do Nitilat Edaim. So the Ben brings a few things I want to do before Nitilat Edaim. Number one is, there's a minhag to say Mizmor Le David, the Mizmor Chavzayin in Tehillim. Mizmor Le David, it's, uh, so the Ben says, although there's some people have a minhag of saying it after Nitilat Edaim, before Hamotzi, he says it's better to say it before Nitilat Edaim. This way you avoid any opinions that might be hefsek. Uh, Interruption between Nitlati Daim and Hamotzi. So it's always, he says it's better to say beforehand. Also, Nitlati Daim is a mitzvah midderabanan. Hazal instituted a person who wants to eat bread should wash his hands, as we'll talk about soon, in the next few halakhot. So therefore, he should say the Shem Yehud. And we mentioned in this in the past, according to the Mikubalim, any time that a person is making a mitzvah, he's about to perform a mitzvah, he should say the Shem Yehud. The idea of the Shem Yehud is that I'm coming. To fulfill a mitzvah, to express with your mouth, speaking, to speak about the mitzvah you're about to do. And al pikabala, whenever you make a mitzvah, what you have, what you have, uh, what you, whenever you make a mitzvah, you're supposed to express it with your mouth to say that I'm about to fulfill the mitzvah. So therefore, if you don't have a siddu with you, you don't know how to say the shem yehud, even al you, you mention all these things about which means you're joining together the letters of Hashem when you make a mitzvah in fact the Sfarim bring down you look in Ora Hayim he brings it down also that the name of Yudke Vavke of Hashem if you take the first two letters Yudke and you do Advash which means there's a certain system where the where the first letter of the Aleph Bet corresponds to the last letter of the Aleph Bet you'd switch Yud and the letter Hey it comes out to the letters Mem Tzadi. Mem Tzadi, and then the next two letters of Hashem's name is Vav He. That is Mitzvah. When you do a Mitzvah, that's only on the outside. 
on the inside, what's happening spiritually is really the name Yudke Vavke. Hashem rests on the person who does a mitzvah. That's an important thing to keep in mind. That's why we say Lashem Yehud. So if you don't have a siddur, you don't know the text in Hebrew, you can even say in English, I'm about to fulfill the mitzvah, whatever it may be. Here, I'm about to fulfill the mitzvah of Neitlat Yedayim. That's the concept of Lashem Yehud. And then you do Neitlat Yedayim for bread, and then immediately you should go to make Hamotzi, to bench Hamotzi, to say Berchat Hamotzi, without any interruption. That is the setup that a person has to do when it comes to Neitlat Yedayim. I didn't read all this halakha inside. If you look inside the Beni Shana Halakha Yudal, if you see a lot of different things, he brings up Kabbalah. Those who like, we mentioned this already in the introduction to this class. We will not mention anything that has to do so much with Kabbalah inside. We don't want to confuse everybody. We try to simplify it as much as we can. But those who are interested, look inside the Halakha Yudal if you'd like to hear certain Kavanot. If anybody would like to listen to this class on the phone, you call in the number 718-506-9099. The number for questions, which we'll take later on, is 718-683-5858. Okay, let's get to the next halakha, halakha yud bet. Says the Ben Yishai over here, Beshabbat sarik letol yadav prosodot me'omid. Kedneska betbeer rabbeinu ha'rizal. Really, according to halakha, when you're washing your hands, all you have to do is, wash your hands. What does that mean? Just put water on your hands, and that's it, you're done. You could do this in any way you want. You could do it lying down, standing up, sitting down. It makes no difference. You want to do it upside down, you could do it if you somehow could manage. But over here, the Rizal says, on Shabbat, Api he says, you should specifically stand up. Now, what does that mean? Once upon a time, they didn't have a sink, so everything was brought to the table. Like you see sometimes, if you ever went to a Hasid Shatish, and you see the Rebbe, they bring him the Natilat Yedayim cup, plus the uh, bucket over there that he does Natila by the table. Over here, <coughs> on Shabbat, you should stand up doing uh, uh, when you're doing Netilat Tadaim. So he says over here that although the Ariza says Netilat Tadaim, there's two Netilat Tadaims that we know about. One in the morning when we wake up, and the other Netilat Tadaim we do is when we, before we eat bread. So although we're talking about right now, the Benishai brings over here the name of his father as well as himself as well. That netilati daim also when you wake up in the morning should be done standing up. Not only the netilati daim for bread, but also netilati daim for bread. I mean, for in the morning should be done standing up. However, he concludes that he himself has a hard time doing it. Keep in mind, most of the everything that was done back then, there was no sinks, there's no running water. So you had like people still to uh, still do it till today. They prepared the netilati daim cup by the bedside. That's wonderful. That's a great thing if you could do it. According to the Ariza, I should try doing standing, doing it standing up, if you could. If he cannot, Ben Yishai himself says that he couldn't do it standing up. But Hazak, he says, Anyone who could do it standing up, that's a wonderful thing to do. Netilat Yedayim for the Sauda standing up. Move on now to Halakhai Yud Gimel. Halakhai Yud Gimel, Ben Yishai talks about how to do Netilat Yedayim for bread. And here, I want to read it inside. And really, Yud Bet and Yud Gimel go together. And I'm going to speak, I'm going to read inside Halakha Yud Gimel, and then we'll read, and then outside we'll speak about Halakha Yud Dalit of how to do Netilat Dadaim for bread. This is for Sfaradim. I know that Ashkenazim have a different minhag. We do three times Lemashad, Ashkenazim do two times. You look up all these Halakhot in Siman Kuf Nunhet in Shohan Aruch. You see how he talks about it. We do Api Kabbalah. The minhag of the Svanim is three times. This is Lechat Hala, which means this is the preferred way. If you have an option how to do Netat Daim, this is how you do it. 
I want to point out as a side point, you should know, even though as religious Jews, Baruch Hashem, we always wash our hands. We might fetch about it. We might complain, oh, is this mezonot or hamotzi? But at the end of the day, when we know we have to wash, we'll wash. We know that. And we know how to wash three times on each hand. What I've noticed is that sometimes I had guests over in my house well, people were not learning Torah. They might keep Shabbat. They might be, uh, you know, or maybe they're starting out to keep Shabbat. And I might not, they, especially if they don't keep Shabbat, I've noticed that whenever we come to wash, and I'll invite them, Chabod, go ahead and wash, they'll always refuse, no, no, you wash first. And when I come to wash, I always look at them, and they're looking at me, watching exactly how I do Nitalatadaim, and trying to copy me. And that's a good point to keep in mind. Whenever you're inviting somebody over, and you have a suspicion that maybe they don't know how to do Nitalatadaim properly, do it very slowly. You go first. Do it very slowly in front of them because you'll be surprised how many people actually may not know exactly what to do. So do it very, very slowly. Don't just rush and do netilat edayim. And so we will read now from the Benish High the proper way how to do netilat edayim for bread. Number one. <coughs> so we have running water. So we'll start like this. Take the cup, which is empty. Open up the cold water. Now you can't open up the hot one on Shabbat. Open up the cold water. Fill it up with your right hand. Okay? So you're filling up the cup with your right hand. Then, from your right hand, transfer the cup to your left hand. Why? This is actually Api Kabbalah. It makes a difference how you start out. You should start out filling out the right hand. Even though you haven't started washing hands, but it doesn't make a difference. You're like telling the right, the, you're telling the left hand here, left hand, Take the cup from my right hand and wash my right hand. And therefore, you're making the left hand serve the right hand first. And Api Kabbalah, right represents Hesed, extreme kindness, and left represents Din, Geburah. So therefore, we want to make the Geburah, Midat Din means the strict judgment. We want to make it bend. We want, it make, we want to make it serve the Midat Hesed, the trait of kindness. And like the Bikubalim say, time and time over and over again. Whenever, whatever we do here has an effect spiritually on us and on the whole world. Even simple things that we do has an effect. When we come to do a mitzvah, like we just explained, when you do a mitzvah, the Shemit Vavke is by you. So therefore, you take it from the right hand when it's full, you transfer it to the left hand, and the left hand begins to wash the right hand. And how do you do it? You told me that Semalit Alayamin Shalosh Pe'amim Retsufin you pour three times on your hand in a row. That means your left hand is pouring three separate times. And each time, he doesn't bring it over here, but each time you have to make sure you hit the whole hand. What does it mean, the whole hand? It means from the top of the fingers all the way to your um, wrist. That's what it's called. From the top of the fingers until your wrist. That's how much you have to wash. You don't have to put so much water. If you could put Revi'it in one shot, that's great. But you don't have to put so much water. But it has to cover that area. From the top of the fingers and to the wrist. The Benish high in a different parasha, he points out that you should slightly turn your hand as it's being washed. This way that the water hits all areas. <coughs> Next. Afterwards, then what you do is, you're supposed to put the cup down, when it's in your left hand, put it down, and then let the right hand pick it up from either the counter or from the sink. You shouldn't hand over the cup from your left hand to your right hand. And the reason for this is, 
because when you hand it over, it's kind of like you're saying you're commanding the other hand to do it. So over here, you don't want to give the left. You don't want to give the cup from the left hand to the right hand because we don't want to say that the left hand is commanding the right to serve it. So therefore, put the left, put the cup from your left hand down, and then pick it up with your right hand, and then with that you do the same thing. You wash your left hand three times. All of this is lechat you could do it, but as the mitzvah is that you just wash three hands on the right, three times on the left. That's it. But this is the best way to do it, api kabbalah, and this way to have all these kavanot with it. That's how we're saying over here. After you washed your right hand three times, and then you wash your left hand three times. So now the cup is down, your hands are wet. Then he says over here, yeshef shef yadav zebazem. And then the Rashash brings down, you should rub your hands three times each. What does it mean rub your hands? That means start with your right hand. Your right hand, which is what? Take your left hand, put it on top of your right hand and rub the water on it and do this three times. Once you rubbed your right hand three times, you do the same to your left hand. You rub your left hand now three times and that's called shifshuf. Okay? So again, let's review very quickly. You wash your hand, your right hand three times. You wash your left hand three times. And then you do shifshuf, which is rubbing your right hand three times and rubbing your left hand three times. By the way, if you're Ashkenazi and you want to do this also, you don't lose anything. That's great. You're also doing api kabbalah. Just because you do two, if you do three, it's not a hefsek. It's even better. You become more tahor over here. Uh, I don't know, more tahor, but uh, you're doing api kabbalah. So... That is Halakha Yud Gimel. Halakha Yud Dalit, he says, now after you do Nitla Tidaim, after you rub your hands this way, now you're ready to say the blessing. Now you're ready to say the Bracha. So here's a little bit of a difference. According to the Ashkenazim, they say the Bracha either while drying their hands or after drying their hands. For us, we say the Bracha before we dry our hands. Okay, why? Because, not to go into it so much right now, but the Halakha of Nitla Tidaim will do it a different time. The there's a there's a whole discussion really. How do you make a beracha after you do the mitzvah? We already spoke in the past. A person has to do has to first make the blessing and then make perform the mitzvah. All of a sudden, we wash our hands and then we make the blessing. It seems to be out of order. So for that reason, what's brought down in halacha is that uh, in this way at least is that since the drying of one's hand is considered the completion of the mitzvah. By making the blessing before we dry our hands, then what I've done is that I have not completed the mitzvah, and I'm still involved in the mitzvah, and then I can make the blessing, and when I dry my hands, I've completed the mitzvah. So therefore, I could still qualify for what it says in the Gemara, I'm making the blessing before the performance of the mitzvah, because I haven't completed the mitzvah. If I dry my hands already, I finish the mitzvah, how can I make a bracha now? So that's why we make the beracha before we dry our hands. However, how do you make the beracha? So the Beit says like this. I'm not going to read it inside. If you want, you can look at it in the Hakai Yudalit. It says, your ten fingers, you should stick them up as if you're holding something on your ten fingers standing up. Okay? Also, your elbows should be in your body. That means if somebody is looking at you from the back, he shouldn't see your elbows. Your elbows should be inside of your body and your fingers are, stand, uh, are being held up as if you're trying to receive something. Meaning to say, open up your hands like if somebody's giving you a big gift. And somebody is giving you a big gift. It's a spiritual shefa that's coming down right now. Open up your hands that way with your fingers facing up. 
and make sure that your hands should not be above your head. That Alpi Kabbalah, the Zohar is very, very stringent about that, that your hands shouldn't go above your head. So here's again, here's the form that you should take after you rub your hands bef before you make the blessing. Elbows in, uh, almost together inside your body, should be sticking out of your body. Hands open up like you're receiving something, not above your head, and fingers pointing upwards towards the Shemaim, towards the sky. And then afterwards, you make the Beracha. And the Beracha is Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech Haolam Asher Kedeshanu Bemiswata Vezavanu Al Nitlat Yedaim. And then, do not answer Amen to this one. Okay, and then afterwards, you dry your hands and you've done the Mizah on Nitlat Yedaim. Okay? If you need to review this, just listen to this class again. It's obviously much better when you see it in person. So can you imagine now this person who's eating by your house, who doesn't know the halachot, how do you expect to show him all this? Just do this very slowly in front of him. He'll be able to follow. And he'll just repeat it after you. If you see that they need to, un to understand, so you should speak out as you're doing the mitzvah of Nidat you should speak out what you're doing. Or if you have a child, that's the best way to do it. If you have children in the house, and you also have guests that don't know the halakha, the best way to do it is have your child right in front of you. You tell them, you tell, you speak to your child in a loud voice that your guests should hear, and this way he'll understand. That, that, and you tell you tell your child how to do the mizvah of the You say, okay, okay, little boy, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to wash our right hand first three times, and our left hand three times. We're going to rub it, and then we're going to stick our fingers up, and our hands up, and we're going to say the blessing, and then we dry our hands. Okay? So now you spoke to your child, but the real message was given over to your guest who is not familiar with the halakha and everybody feels good about themselves everybody did the mitzvah properly nobody was embarrassed and it's wonderful afterwards you go right away to eat bread and this should not be any delay because there's a gemara that says right after netila should be beracha there's a discussion there's a mahlokit between the rishonim exactly when, what, which netila are we talking about? Which washing are we talking about over here? Is it referring to the washing that we do before we eat bread, known as my Mishonim that we just spoke about? That's what we call netila tedaim. Or is it referring to the Mayim Ahronim, the washing of our hands that we do after we eat bread? And therefore, when the Gemara says, Techef netila beracha, it really talks about Mayim Ahronim, which is you wash your hands after eating bread, Mayim Ahronim, and then immediately you have to go to Brachat Amazon. Although, the opinion of Maran and the Ahronim seems to be that it's talking about the Nitla Beracha Ahrona, still Maran says Tov or Nachon, I forgot the Lashon exactly. It's proper that a person should not interrupt between Nitla Tidaim of before the Sauda to the Beracha and therefore go immediately to make Berachat Hamotzi. And now we get to the Halachot of bread of Shabbat. This is actually a whole man by itself in Shohan Aruch regarding this the bread on Shabbat. You should know there's a lot of details when it comes to setting up the bread. It's not just a simple hamotzi like we have every day. First of all, we know that there is a concept on Shabbat called Lehem Mishnei. When the Jewish people were in the desert, Shem gave them an extra, a double portion on Friday for the sake of Friday and for the sake of Shabbat. And that became known as Lehem Mishnei. It says in the Torah, it's Lehem Mishnei, Mishnei from the word Sheni, two times. We have two times the amount of bread on for the sake of an honor of Shabbat. And we spoke about this in the past, that on Shabbat, when a person sits down by the meal, he should, even though when you may come to make a blessing on any food, technically, you know, the best way to do it is to sit down and pick up the item in your right hand and make a blessing and then take a bite from it. You want to eat an apple? shouldn't eat an apple walking around. Sit down, 
pick up the apple in your right hand, make a blessing and eat it. Um, when it comes to Shabbat, when it comes to bread specifically on Shabbat, it's not. In, there's a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah. That, that means there's an obligation that when we say bechat for one of the meals, we should say it on two loaves of bread. That's called lechem mishneh. Of course, we're going to eat only, even though we're planning to eat only from one. Doesn't make a difference. You're supposed to hold two pieces of bread together when you make the berachah of This is only relevant to Shabbat and Yom Tov. That's when we have lechem mishneh. Shabbat and Yom Tov. Only. This is an obligation for men as well as for women. Women have also had the man, right? They don't starve on Shabbat. So therefore, even if a woman is eating by herself or some ladies are getting together, some girls are getting together on the Saudah Shishin, they eat together, they also have the obligation of making Hamotzi on Lehem Mishnah, which means in its simplest sense, you have to take an additional piece of bread and you have to make Hamotzi on that piece of bread as well. You should know, even though we said this is a Hayub, this is a Mitzvah, this is a mitzvah de Rabbanan, according to most opinions. There's a big, humongous hadush. The Taz, the Tureza Hab, one of the commentaries on Shohan Aruch, who's even older than Magin Abraham, he says a big hadush. You know what he says? He says, Lehem Mishneh is a hayub mid oraita. Yeah, that's a big hadush. He holds it's an obligation that Torah, he learns it because the Gemara says, how do we know you're supposed to have three meals on Shabbat? Because the Torah says the word yom three times and therefore that's the source that we're supposed to have three meals and being that the meal has to be with bread and the bread has to be lehem the, the Taz says that bread on Shabbat the lehem that means on Shabbat is a mitzvah min Torah so now whether we hold like this or not doesn't make a difference because at the end of the day we still have to do it we still have to do it but it just shows you how important this mitzvah is of having two loaves of bread I'm not going to read all of the Benish high inside. I'm going to say everything outside. And hopefully through this, with Bezat Hashem, we'll talk about all the halakhot that we need to know when it comes to bread and lechem mishneh on Shabbat. Let's begin, first of all, with the way the Arizal says to set up bread. We already spoke about the deen. The deen is that, that means to say, according to the halakha, minimum pieces of bread that you need on Shabbat is two. But the Arizal says... That your table, your Shabbat living room or your house, whatever it is, should resemble that of the Mishkan and the Beit HaMikdash. Right now we're reading the last five parishiyot of Sefer B'Shemot, all deal with the Mishkan. And the Beit HaMikdash also was pretty much a replica of the Mishkan. So we should be familiar with this. In the Mishkan there was something known as a Shulhan, in the Beit HaMikdash as well. There was a show table. The table was made out of wood, covered with gold, and it had 12 loaves of bread. So the Ariza says, your table on Shabbat also should have 12 loaves of bread. But you don't set it up the way it was on the Shulhan. In the Shulhan, if you look at the pictures from the Beit HaMikdash, you see there was a table, and there was two stacks of bread. Six loaves in each stack, in each row, in each uh, column, excuse me. On Shabbat, however, on your Shabbat table, the Ariza says to set up the 12 loaves of bread in a special way. How do you set up the 12 loaves according to the Arizal? He says, basically, you set it up six and six. What I mean is as follows. The simplest way I could describe this to you without a book, if you're just listening in, is as follows. Imagine you have your challah tray, and most people have challah tray. If you don't have challah tray, by the way, you shouldn't put the bread directly on the table. You should have some sort of cover on the, under that bread, because 
in the past we mentioned that the bread needs a double covering, a cover on the bottom and a cover on top of the bread. We all cover the bread when we make a douche, but even under it we have to make we have to put a cover because the idea of the bread is it it's a it represents the man that the Jewish people had in the midbar. And the midbar, if you remember, the man came in a double cover. First the dew fell, the man was on top of it, and then there was another layer of dew that was covering the man. Likewise over here on Shabbat, we must have a cover on the bottom of the bread that we have, and we also have cover on top. So therefore, don't put your bread directly on the table. Even if you're eating by yourself, put it either on a plate, on a on a grocery bag. It could be on anything, as long as you have a cover on the bottom. In any case, if you have a challah tray, and let's imagine the challah tray to be a rectangle like most challah trays are. So the, the way you set up is as follows. Put four loaves of bread on the four corners. Now you have in front of you four loaves of bread. Then on top of those four loaves of bread, put another piece of bread. That means the four corners should have two pieces of bread on each spot. That's in the, the way that Arizal explains Leham Mishnah. Each one should be doubled up. So now you should have in the four corners two pieces of bread each, which equal up eight. Now in the center, in between the two breads, mean to say in between vertically and horizontally, right directly in the center in front of you, you should put another four pieces of bread and line up in the same way. First two pieces of bread right next to each other, align next to each other, and then another two pieces of bread on top of it. It's very difficult to describe this just in audio. Even in the Bainish time he talks and he writes about this, he draws a picture, because it's very hard to, to, to picture it. But basically, after you set up the 12 loaves of bread, you should see six spots where there's bread, and each spot should have two breads on top of it. I'm not going to spend more time on this. If you can't visualize it, open up the Benish Hai in Parashat Vayaram, Halachat Hedvav, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Or come over for Shabbat, I'll show you exactly how to do it. You put 12 pieces of bread, four in each corner, and then another two in the center, and each spot that there's a bread, it should be doubled. Okay. Afterwards, that's the setup of the bread. When you come to say Berchat HaMotzi, there's a special way of holding the bread. You don't pick up all 12 of bread. Rather, only the center two top ones. Remember, each bread has two of them. Each spot has two pieces of bread. There's a bottom piece of bread and another one on top of it. From the four breads that are in front of you, that are in the middle, you take the top two breads and you hold them back to back. So if you have a challah, so you know the top part of the challah and you know the bottom part of the challah. The top of the part of the challah is obviously more round and the bottom one is flat. In pita, you have to know which one is baked, or how it's baked. You hold them back to back, and that's his definition of lechem apanim, and you try to hold them on top of the other two breads in front of you. Afterwards, you say the berachav hamotzi. Baruch atah Hashem, Elokein mechalam hamotzi lechem naaretz. As you're saying the word hamotzi, you emphasize on the letter hey. You lift up the bread a little bit as you're saying the word hamotzi, and then afterwards you break from the top piece of bread from the from from the two breads that you're holding so again you're holding the two breads on top one on top of each other the two center ones and then you break from the top piece of bread that's the way the Benish high brings it down and this should not only be done for friday night the Benish high this says that just this not the Benish high but the Arizal, is that this should be done the 12 loaves of bread should be done for all three meals friday night shabbat day and even so if you're eating Sadat Shajit in Shul and you're embarrassed to do so, 
I understand you completely. And especially if everybody's waiting for the bread and they're waiting for you to make your hamotzi, don't do it. Not recommended to look weird in front of other people. We said this as a rule in the past. Try to be normal, not to be too weird. In your house, okay, so your family's already used to your mishugas. If you're a person that doesn't do mishugas, so anyway, you're not going to listen to me, you're not going to do it. But if you're a person who likes to try these things, so your family by now should be used to you. And why not? It's fantastic, it's wonderful. And if you're getting married now and you're trying to India and you want to do this, this is wonderful. Why not do it according to that reason? And Benish high. that's great if you could do so. That's how you set up the bread, you pick up the bread. And you make hamotzi. I just want to point out that the bread should not be held. The two middle breads, when you're holding it in your hands, should not be held one on top of the other. Rather, hold them side by side. Again, back to back, but side by side on an angle that it shouldn't be one on top of the other. That's how the the hamotzion understands the arizal. When you break the piece of bread after you said hamotzi, when you break for the piece of bread, you first break from the piece of bread. You dip it in salt three times, and then you take a bite from it. Afterwards, you break a bigger piece than yours, and you should give it to your wife first. Apikabalah, this is very, very important. That after you break bread, that means after you say hamotzi, you shouldn't have an interruption between your piece of bread and your wife's piece of bread. And I know a lot of people, sometimes they'll have their parents over, their in-laws over, and they want to honor them, and they want to give them but apikabala, you should husband and wife, their two pieces of bread should come right after each other. You shouldn't give anybody else in between beforehand. And that's the way you should do it. First you say hamotzi, you, you take a bite, you, you rip off a piece, you take a bite, and then you rip off another piece, you give it to your wife, and then afterwards give it and distribute it to whoever's there on the table with you. This is all if you do what I just said beforehand, you've done A plus plus. You get to Shamayim, that is, I will say, Bo Beruch Hashem, ah, you've done the way I've taught you. But the Halakha is not that way. Nobody in the Halakha, we don't have to follow Kabbalah. We could follow. It's one, I personally do this, yes. But there's no obligation to do what we just said. In Halakha, the minimum is that a person should have two pieces of bread. And Api Kabbalah, we said you're supposed to have 12. Even Api the Arizal, if a person doesn't have 12, he shouldn't put 10 or 8. Rather, if you don't have 12, set up 4. How do you set up the 4? You put two pieces of bread next to each other, another 2 on top of it. Don't set up a different number. If you don't have 12, you go to 4. And if you don't have 4, then you go, you do what the Halakha says, which is 2. Don't just put any piece of bread that you have on the table. There's Minhagim that brought down. We may not have realized it, but if you ever noticed, the challahs on, on Shabbat that we, we buy on Friday from the bakeries and, and the way people make it, you, you notice that they make the challah in a long way. So that's actually, that has a source. How come they make the challah in such a long way? On the holidays, you see, the halot that they sell in the stores are very round. But on Shabbat, on Friday, the one that they sell for Shabbat, it's like a longer challah. Why is that? Because actually that's a replica of the Arizal, I guess it was too difficult for people to set up 12 breads. So what they did is they would put in, they would put these two long halot and each one looks like a vav. Vav begematria is six. The numerical value of the letter vav in Hebrew is six. So now you have two long halot and the two long halot, each one looks like a vav. So vav and vav is six and six. That equals 12. This way, some say that's their minhag of <coughs> setting up the 12 loaves of bread for the, uh, like the Arizal. Others, I've heard a beautiful idea also, and this also has the sources. You notice that the, the halot that we have on Shabbat are all braided. Again, during the holiday, 
We don't find bread. They're like more like shaped. Peace, people make bread just regular bread. You don't see non-Jews making braided halot. So why do we braid the halot? Technically, braids are supposed to equal, you know, if you, after the bread is baked, after the halal is baked, you look at it, it's supposed to have 12 bumps. And those 12 bumps are really also like a replica of the 12 loaves of bread. I guess it was too difficult to make it, so people just braided it in a way that looks like 12 bumps, which is the 12 halot that you're supposed to set up for Shabbat. In any case, whatever way you do it, the idea is all the same. The halakha though, the deen, the obligation is that you need to have lehm which is one piece of bread, I mean two pieces of bread minimum. What kind of bread should be used for your sauda on Shabbat? Even though we said that you need the number two, but now we're going to talk about the type of bread. First of all, the bread has to be shalim, not broken, a whole piece of bread. And this is much easier during the year. It really gets hard on Pesach. And you have those matzah shmurau, and you're coming to eat your matzah, and you're, it's very, very difficult to really find. Forget it. Forget about doing that riza like this. You know, 12 matzot that are not cracked at all. That's very hard to do. But try to find bread that has no breaking at all. That's number one. If it's broken, if you have a halal that's broken, and you still want to use it, you have no other choice, there's a way to fix it. It's not called the fixing on Shabbat, but let's say you can take a toothpick and connect the two pieces of bread together. And this way, it looks shalim. That means even if it looks shalim. If a bread is sliced, that means a challah is sliced, but it's not completely ripped apart. If you're able to hold the smaller part and pick it up from the table without the bigger part falling off, that's also called shalim. It's not, it's not a problem if it was sliced. The problem is when it's ripped off of it, that is when it takes away from its shlemut. But if a person is stuck, and this happens when a person is away, sometimes a person has to spend a weekend in the hospital, a Shabbat in the hospital, and uh, you may not have so much of a choice of what kind of bread you have in that case. So what are you supposed to do if you don't have another piece of bread that's shalim? So you, then you use a broken piece. What could you do? Or if a person is, uh, you know, he, he likes to eat sliced bread and he forgot to buy regular full shalim whole breads. So then you have to use sliced bread. That's what you have. That's what you use. But the What's preferred, what a person should use, is the piece of bread that is shalim. Also, if you have a choice, you should try to have the piece of bread, uh, which is the challah, the size of a kibitzah. We're going to talk about the size of a kibitzah later on, but for now, it means to say it shouldn't be so small, it should be the size of a kibitzah. The If you don't have a kibitzah, so the next option that you have is that it should be a kizait. A kizait is about an ounce. 28 grams of bread. If you don't have a kibitzah or a kezait, then what could you do again? You use the small ones. You know those pita bags, they sell those, they sell those little pitas, those mini pitas. Those don't even equal up a kezait. Talking about the really, really small ones. Okay, if you're stuck, you could certainly use that for lehem mishneh. And certainly if you want to go according to Arizal, you could use it when you're stuck and you don't have any other piece of bread to use. Also, when a person is stuck, he has a bread to eat, but he doesn't have another second bread for, um, what's it called, for lehem mishneh. So in that case, what you could do is, you could rely on the poskim, that some poskim bring down, you could use frozen bread. Go to your freezer, if you see bread in your freezer, it's inedible. You have to wait like an hour, an hour and a half till it defrost. But it doesn't make this, for lehem mishneh, it doesn't have to be that you're able to eat it right away. For the same reason, it's brought down if a person has bread, and by mistake, the delivery, they, you know, the grocery sent them in delivery, pat, that's not patisa, bread that's not patisa, pat akum. 
So now what's he going to do? He, he doesn't eat patakum. But for lehem mishneh, if he has no other choice, since he's not eating it, just to use it as a second bread, you're allowed to use even patakum. And this is all, like we said, this is like grades, you know, A, B, C, D. If a person's stuck and he has nothing else, he just has a broken piece of bread, and that's all he has to eat, and then what could you do? And then you make a hamotzi on a piece of bread. What are you supposed to do? Not eat a sewada? Of course you eat a sewada. Some even bring down, if you don't have bread for lehem mishneim, you can use a rugelach. You can use, meaning to say, you can use something that's mezonot for lehem mishneim. So, we conclude with this. Lehem mishneim is supposed to have two pieces of bread. A plus plus, you want to do a quintal riza, you should have 12 pieces of bread. And if you don't even have that, then you can use anything for lehem mishneh, even frozen bread, even patakuman, if you, even if you don't have that, even the bread is broken, even mezonot itself could be used, anything that's baked, by the way, not, not, not something cooked, you can't use spaghetti for lehem mishneh, it has to have surat pat, it has to look like bread. So therefore, any baked pocket, even hamantashen, today everybody's buying hamantashen these days. So hamantashen also could be used for lehem mishneh when one is stuck and he has no other choice. Now, I just want to point out one more important thing. I always say this when it comes to the Berakha, to the Berakha of Hamotzi. When it comes to the Berakha of Hamotzi, the preferred way of doing it is, like we said, not a preferred way, the obligation is that you're supposed to have Lehem Mishnah. What a lot of people do is, when they come to sit down, let's say you have a family of seven, uh, husband and wife, and five children. That's taken average family. So they all sit down to the meal after when they wash their hands and they're all listening silently while silently stressing it, right? While the father is going to make the hamotzi. The father picks up the two pieces of bread and he makes baruch He rips the piece of bread, dips it in salt, he eats it, rips another piece, gives it to his wife, and then he distributes it to everybody else. Important to keep in mind, you, the balabait, who is making the berakha for everybody, you're supposed to have everybody in mind. And you, the family who's listening to your father making the blessing, you are you are dehuba with that beracha. And therefore, being that you're dehuba with that beracha, you should not go ahead and make your own beracha afterwards. Just listen to the blessing from the father of the household, the leader of the household, and you take that piece of bread and then eat it. Don't make another blessing. Unfortunately, what I've seen and I've definitely heard a lot about is that people, when they hear the beracha from the balabait, they take that little piece of bread when they get it and they make another hamotzi on it. That could be a problem. It could be a problem for a number of reasons. Number one is, there's a rule called Birob Am Hadat Melech. What does it mean Birob Am Hadat Melech? The Pasuk says in Mishleh that the honor of a king is when he's greeted by many people. What does that mean? It means as follows. Imagine Rav Chaim Kanievsky is coming from Eretz Israel to visit America for the first time in, the, in history. Rav Chaim Kanievsky is coming to America. Wow. So now, what would be more honorable for the sake? Now, of course, Rav Chaim doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care about Kavod. He, does, he, he runs away from Kavod. But, what do you think is more Kavod at Torah? What do you think is more honorable? That three people should go meet him by the airport and then once in a while people come and say hello to him and, and they come to greet him or that he comes off, he steps off the plane and you see 50,000 people coming to greet him. There's no question, 50,000 people to greet him is much more honorable than one person at a time. So that's the same thing when it comes to making beracha. If a lot of people have to make the same blessing, it's more honorable that one person should make the blessing for everybody. Like what we do by Megillah Tester. We're going to read Megillah Tester in a few weeks. And one person makes a blessing on the Megillah. Even though we all have the obligation of reading it, it's men and women have the obligation of listening and hearing it. One person makes a blessing for everybody. How come not everybody makes his own blessing? 
And then the rule is, it's more honorable that one person make the blessing while everybody joins in with the Amen, then each one should make his Biracha individually. So therefore, when we come to Birchat HaMotzi, when the father is making the Hamotzi, or the leader of the household is making the Hamotzi, it's better that one person should make the blessing, and everybody join together with that blessing by answering Amen, than for each person to later on say his own blessing by himself. So that's the first disadvantage when you make your own Biracha. Number two is, how in the world... Who's holding the two pieces of bread, the lechem mishneim? It's the the father, the, house, the leader of the household. When you get your piece of bread and you make a motzi on it, not only are you not making it on lechem mishneim, you're also making it on just one piece of bread that's it's small, it's smaller than a kezayit, it's also broken, it's not shalem. So you're also missing out on the lechem mishneim. So therefore, lechet what a person has to do when he's sitting in the meal is to be Yotzei Dehubah by the Berakha of the leader of the household. I will tell you though, this, I used to preach this for many, many years, all the time. I just repeat this halakha. Recently, I saw in Pesket Shuvot, it brings down that there's some kehilot and they have uh, minhagim that are, he says that the minhagim are very, very uh, solid. Although I didn't understand so much the proof that he brought. I didn't see it so much in his words. But in any case, he brings out that there's some people who have him in Hag, that they make their own Berakha, even though after the bread was cut. Okay, in Minhag, we respect them in Hag. And fine, you know what? It's brought down, it's brought down. But the reasons that we said, that's a preferable way to do it. If you're Ashkenazin, you have such a Minhag. Okay, but if you don't have such a Minhag, and if you're able to switch, Maran says it brings it down. When did I tell you you could rely on such a minhag that you can make your own beracha? When, you, when it's necessary. For example, sometimes you're eating by some somewhere, and the person who's making the beracha for everybody it cannot be heard. He his voice is very low, or he mumbles. He, he especially if he skips some parts of the beracha. Sometimes you hear a blessing. You we don't know. You know what happened? Is he eating the bread or is he eating the beracha? Some of the words were swallowed up. Hashem's name was not said. was not fully said. So, in that case, where a person is mumbling or he cannot hear him, let's say you're in a, in a place, you're by Simcha, you're by uh, Kiddush, by Sabbath, and you're sitting there in the meal, and one guy's making the Berkha, and there's no way you can hear him properly, or somebody was talking to you, your, your son and daughter, the little kids, and yelling in your ear, you couldn't hear the Berkha, then in that case, okay, you have to make the Berkha again. But, what I will tell you is, is whenever you, you're obligated to make your own Berkha, what you should do is take two pieces of bread and make it on lechem mishne. If you feel that if you're going to make bracha on lechem mishne, it's going to offend the leader of the household. Why are you making your own bracha? Why? I'm not good enough to make. You, you can't be yotzei dehawami. I'm not religious enough for you. How come? So if you don't want to start up, especially your in-laws or outlaws, so what you do is then you can rely on such a minhag that if you couldn't hear his bracha, then you could pick up that piece of bread and silently, you know, before biting into it, say the bracha in a low voice to yourself and take a bite from it this way in order not to embarrass him or, or to make fights certainly you can rely on such a minhag which is making a beracha okay what happened to lechem mishneh not a big deal you can some post can bring down and just pick up the lechem mishneh later on and that's good enough okay that is halakhat edvav halakhat zayin the ben Hai says over here very quickly he says the measurement of kezayit and kebitzah ben Hai brings the measurements that were common in his days he says the measurement of a kezait is what the Rambam brings down. It's nine dirham. Yeah, nine dirham. You, there's no way I expect you to know what dirham is unless you're not from this country. Dirham is a measurement uh, of weight 
that they used to use in the Middle Eastern countries, in the Ottoman Empire for sure. So what is dirham? How much is one dirham? So throughout the years, the custom was always that the dirham, everybody understood or, or, or knew that the dirham was 3.2 grams. And therefore, based on this, if the kezait is 9 dirham, so you multiply 9 by 3.2 grams, you get up to 28.8 grams for a kezait. So an ounce in English, an ounce in weight for regular things, an ounce is 28 grams. This is slightly over an ounce, so let's say around 29 grams is a kezait. A kibitzah is just double the size of a kezait. So if a kezait is 28.8, the kibitzah will be 57.6. That is the opinion of the Ksot HaShulhan, which is the opinion of Rabbi Haim Na'eh, Hakam Ben Tzion, and that's the way always the Durham was understood. Durham is 3.2 grams, so therefore a kezait is 28.8 grams. However, Hakam upon research, he said that he discovered that the Durham was really 3 grams. And therefore, if a dirham is only 3 grams, it makes a kezait only 27 grams. Uh, I know it's only a few grams in, uh, you know, of difference, but it might make a difference for persons on Weight Watchers or when they have to eat strictly just that amount. So therefore, according to Acham Badiyah, a kezait is 27 grams and a kibitzah will be 54 grams. So we always say a kezait is about an ounce. Uh, it's like in the middle, but really you should try to eat about 30 grams because... The, the kezait has to be in your stomach and a lot of food gets stuck in your teeth. So just eat a little bit more. You don't, you know, it's not a, such a big deal. However, if you're Hazon Ish, if you go with the Hazon Ish, his measurements are much larger. He says that a kezait is around 50 grams, 49.77, and the kibitzah is around 99 grams. That is the opinion of the Hazon Ish. Sfaladim don't have such a minhag. Our minhag is, like we said beforehand, either 27 or 29 grams. That is the kezait. And the kebetzah is between 54 to 58 grams. Good? That is halakha tetzain. Let's move on now to halakha yudzain. Halakha yudzain, the Ben Yishai talks about the, that a woman should set up the, the table. Now that we give this class, I know a lot of women are listening. And a woman could take part of this it's not only a man's job, but a woman should set up the bread for the for or the bread for the table when it comes for the sauda. And if her husband wants to do the ariza, set up twelve. If he doesn't want to do the ariza and he set up twelve and he goes with it, why not? You can set up the twelve. And I'll just point out one thing: <coughs> the Zohar says in last week's parasha, This refers to getting angry. Do not put on the fire. Says the, the, the Zohar, don't get angry on your Shabbat. And therefore, to the men, we tell you, you come home, and your wife didn't set it up. Don't say, did you hear? Ben Ishai says that a woman should set up the table. Don't get upset at your wife. Understand that there's a lot of children in the house, and it can get very, very uh, disturbing and distracting, and she already has enough on her head to take care of the kids. I want to see you sit down with three, four kids yelling, crying, and uh, it's not an easy thing. So, men understand if you come home your the house is not set up it's not clean up understand what your wife is going through instead of saying anything just start helping her out you'll just make her happy and guess what you'll be mikayim the zah of the simha and hesed with your wife and you'll definitely get much more reward than yelling at your wife in the house Eating fish on Shabbat. We don't have time. I see we have only a few minutes. So I'm going to go very quickly. Halakha Yudhai talks about eating fish on Shabbat. 
And the Sfarim bring down, tell you, I'll quote you from Or HaYashar, Mazvah Gedolahi Leknot Dagim Lechvod HaShabbat Dechol Gimis Seudot Ubefrat Besodai Gimel It's a big mitzvah for one to eat fish in honor of Shabbat, especially in Seudah Shelishit. The Magen Abraham brings down a person should eat fish in all three meals of Shabbat. I know people just eat on one meal, but a person should try to eat in all three meals and even more so on doing Seudah Shelishit. And there's a lot of Remazila brought down the word Dagim as a gematria of 57. It equals exactly the 57 words are fa- the, the 57 words in the Mizmor, Le David. And it has 227 letters, which is the, the, berach, the letters of Beracha. Also, we say Mizmor Le David, Ben Od Deshe Yabitseni, Deshe Zrashetebot, Dagim, Shabbat. Adam. What does that mean? You find in Torah that Hashem blessed the fish Peru Hashem also blessed the Shabbat. Hashem blessed Shabbat. Hashem also blessed Adam Peru All these three people were given Berachot. So therefore on Shabbat, the day which was blessed, a person, a human being comes who was blessed also by Hashem and he eats fish which were blessed. So this way you have like a uh, three uh, three consecutive things of Berachot on Yom Shabbat. There's other reasons brought down, we just don't have time to go through it. Let's go on to the next few Halachot. Halacha Yutet, if a person misses a meal on Shabbat, what does it mean he misses a meal on Shabbat? Let's say Friday night he overslept and he didn't eat his meal or he was very, very sick. He wasn't feeling well. He wasn't able to get out of his bed. Now Shabbat day, he can make up for the Saudad he missed Friday night by eating three meals on Shabbat day. You need to have three meals on Shabbat. The way we do it is Friday night, one meal, two meals on Shabbat day. But if you miss Friday night, you can make it up in Shabbat day by having three meals. You'll have your regular morning meal, and you have another meal, and then, of course, you'll have your Sawadah Shalishit. Also, Ben Yishai brings down the importance of learning Torah on your Shabbat table. How do you transform your table, your regular Shabbat table, into a Mizbeah by saying the Torah on it? Say anything. As a recommended advice, I've seen this work very, very well by me personally even. And that means I used to re- always have something what to say. But sometimes you already run out of things what to say. Buy a special book, a nice book in English. That small little Torah that with the story. And this is something that's good for everybody. Say it on the Shabbat table. It transforms your Shabbat table into a holy Mizbayah. Halakha Chaf Aleph and Chaf Bet. It's really not so much details in halakha in the Menish High over here. He just talks about the um, the way that a person after eating uh, after eating the bechat excuse me a person after eating your me- his meal should say bechat hamazon after bechat hamazon he should try to smell the besamim and to make another berachavat say besamim and then he says that the Arizal had a minhag that after he finished his meal on Friday night he would never keep the table completely empty. You would always keep around a piece of bread. Not a whole loaf of bread, but a piece of bread. Also, it's brought down that the cup of wine from Kiddush should not be completely empty. You should keep it a little bit with wine, as if Sfarim bring down. Beracha comes only on something that's there already. It doesn't come on empty things. So if you keep a little bit of bread, it brings a Beracha. As the Zohar speaks a lot about this, and he says that the table, your Shabbat table should never be empty. You should always have something on the Shabbat table. So even though you have to clean up, you don't want bugs, you don't want things in the house, but always try to keep a little piece of bread. If you're worried about bugs, then wrap it up in a napkin and keep it on your table 
throughout the whole duration of Shabbat. And with this, if we, we finish the halachot in Parashat Vayera, even if you look at Parashat Vayera, you'll see that from Chav Gimel until the end, they have till Chavav, a lot of big halachot. Those halachot are not to be discussed in public. Those halachot are only for married people and they should only learn it in private. It's not a, for a public discussion and certainly not for the radio. These kind of things are supposed to be spoken uh, in privately with a, with a private rabbi. It should not be learned over here in public. And that's it. We finished the halachot of Kabbalah Shabbat and the Shabbat meals. Bezat Hashem. The next class we're going to have is next week, Bezat Hashem, on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. And then we're going to start talking about the halachot of Purim for the next two weeks. And after, when we have after Purim, already we'll start to go into the halachot of Pesach. Again, if you missed today's class or you just came on the radio and you're listening now, this is a halacha hour. We meet here on Wednesday afternoons and it's going to be repeated again tonight at 11 p.m. here on jrootradio.com, also on 97.5 FM. If anybody has any questions, I'm here in the station for another 10 minutes. You could call into the, and the number to the studio is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And if you want to text me, you can text to the radio, that is 347-927-8398. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful week. And a one, and don't forget, this week is Pashat Sheikh Alim. And Rosh Hodesh Adar. Therefore, Mishnah Adar Marbim Besimha. Have a wonderful new month, Bazat Hashem.